I don't know about you, but I, I wasn't ready to come up. I want to say, keep on. <laughs> I just, I, I looked at him and said, you, you sure it's my time? Uh, thank you, choir. Thank you, everyone. I have been touched, inspired, led into worship in so many ways by being with all of you this morning. The meetings, greetings, and people I've met, your words and expressions. And whatever I say from this point forward and all the way into this evening, I do want to begin with this one thing. I stand before you truly humbled to be in a place where I consider one of the great champions of gospel preaching and church leadership in Baptist life ever served and worked. I love your pastor, Glenn Denton. Uh, and I have... Uh, I have treasured his friendship through the years. He and I, have, not that uh, I guess we've both been busy enough that uh, we didn't really just have close fellowship all the time, but, but we saw each other in certain circles and we knew who we were, what we were, what we believed, and who we stood with. And I, and I appreciate where he has stood through the years and I have been in prayer with you uh, for his precious wife. Uh, and um, God bless you, and you continue to love them and support them in this time, and I know you will. I guess it's uh, important for me to say a few words of introduction. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's important or not, but I, I do appreciate the fact that my precious wife, Diana, is with me this morning. Uh, and uh, I don't know about the rest of you men, but you'd think you'd be encouraged in worship. She's constantly bumping me in the ribs says this, you better not sing. <laughs> and it isn't because I can't sing. I, I'm saying I sing well, but I love to sing and I want to out sing all of you. Uh, but it's, she's saying save your voice for preaching. Uh, you may or may not know, um, in 2014, I had emergency heart surgery uh, at Vanderbilt Hospital and uh, God spared me. I had a great surgeon and I have great people that have cared for me through the years. Uh, since that time, I had another heart surgery. Uh, and at the, on that occasion, um, <clears throat> they did something. I, I'll never understand how the aorta in the heart uh, uh, is somehow close to the nerves that affect your vocal cords. But uh, in the July of 2017, uh, I, my left vocal cord was paralyzed. And Northside Baptist Church, the precious people that they are, they listened to me preach for three more months before I retired in September of 2017. It was the right thing, the right time, and praise God, it was the right way. God enabled us to do the right thing. I love that church. It's still going great, still winning people to Christ, still growing. Uh, I, I love them all. Uh, I'm still a member there till they kick me out. Uh, and uh, as long as I paid my tithe, they won't, though. Uh, but... I, I, wonderful church. God blessed us. I was the church planter and um, senior pastor for 28 years in that place. And, and God blessed us in incredible ways uh, as we saw it from the very, very beginning to where it is today. Uh, that's a little bit about my preaching, my most current preaching past. Besides my wife, we have three children. Thank you for the Lottie Moon emphasis this morning. My daughter 
and her husband and my four grandchildren, you need to ask God to forgive her for that because she has taken them to Africa. They, they serve in West Africa in the country of Senegal where my son-in-law runs the Baptist Center, a huge a center of service in a community that's over 90% Islamic. And thank you for that video also because for the last three years, I have led a medical mission teams to Senegal and what an impact it makes. And folks, we don't just work with their bodies. I want you to know that last time I was there, we personally sit down one-on-one, gave the gospel to over 800 people that came through that center. I mean, we, everyone that comes through, we ask them, says, we'll, would you mind, will you give us a moment to talk to you about our faith? And they, they all, yes, for sure, you're going to give me free medical help. And we sit down with them individually and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you pray for them. Thank you for allowing me. Then I have two sons. They're twins. The oldest by 12 minutes. I think that's right. Did I get it right? Jason uh, is a preacher, served on staff with me at Northside Baptist Church. Is now at Long Hollow, preparing with the North American Mission Board. He's going to plant a church in Los Angeles, California, uh, this coming uh, June or July. So you pray for him. He's, he goes to the real mission field. And I'm telling you, it's a mission field. And then my other son, Joel, is a, is a managing editor at Lifeway. I guess he's really the one that needs the prayer. Uh, but whatever, he's got a great ministry, loves the Lord, all my family. Uh, I, I just praise the Lord for them. And God has done so many great things. As you can tell, my voice came back. Uh, you, that may be a blessing to you or, or a horror story before it's over. But, my, but I do drink a lot of water. Uh, I know a lot of preachers do. They keep telling me, keep drinking water while you're preaching. Keep drinking water. But they never tell me what, told me what to do about my bladder. Uh, it helps my voice. Uh, but uh, and it's useful for other things. You could probably baptize 100 Methodists with what I got left there. Uh, but... Uh, uh, I may drink water while I preach, all right? But uh, thank you for letting me be here. A historic church. You say, historic? You are. You're, you are a church known not only for believing the Word, but standing on the Word in this community. And I appreciate you for that. This morning, uh, I, you, I want you to find your place in Luke chapter 2 and Titus chapter 3. Uh, both of them will begin with verse 8, 2, 8, Luke, 3, 8, uh, Titus. I'm going to have two different passages, and I'm going to have two different titles. And I'm going to tell you those titles as we go along. The first title is, The Angels Called Him Savior. And I'm going to tell you in a moment what the second title is. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me in the beginning. The first passage, we'll read from the Word of God together. Would you stand with, with me and honor the Word of God for just a moment? We're going to look at oh-so-familiar passage for this Christmas season. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. You know this passage. Most of you can quote it, but let's read it together. Verse 8 says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Pray with me. Father, um, it's a little different when you come to a place for the first time. You, you kind of got to get settled in. The folks got to get settled in with you. And um, we've done a few of those things, a little introduction, getting ready. But we really want to settle ourselves under the moving and the work of the Holy Spirit right now. We want you to open up the word for us so we can hear and understand. Father, we want to take something from this. Whatever our spiritual condition might be, uh, whether we be a spirit-filled Christian or a lost person here this morning, we want to hear from the Word of God because I know God's Word speaks. And I ask you to use me. I ask you, to, Father, not just open up my mouth, but my heart and my mind, my life to these people. I want my life to touch the lives of these people by the way Jesus has touched my life. So guide us in this moment as we talk about the wonderful Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. You know, the word Savior is certainly familiar to us in these Christian circles that we live in. There is, that name Savior is in our Psalms. Today it's in our sermon. It's in sayings that we use. But you know, it might interest you, listen to me for a moment, to know that Jesus is spoken of as Savior, the actual title, the name Savior, very few times in Scripture. As a matter of fact, listen to me, it's only used two times in the four Gospels. He's only actually called Savior two times in the four Gospels. One here, the angels called Him Savior. The other time, you remember the woman at the well? You remember her? who she was. She was a Samaritan and she got saved listening to Jesus. She went back to her village and she started witnessing to them and telling everybody about Jesus. And at the end, they basically told her, hey, you could shut up now because we know that he is actually Jesus, Christ the Savior. That was another time when the people called him the Savior. And many people have discussed why his Savior used so few times. He, oh, him called Savior. Some of you are going to check on me. What's, what's going to happen is you're going to find there's many times when God is called Savior. I'm talking about Jesus being called Savior. But they've discussed why is this? It's used so, so many, so few times, this name for Jesus. One of the primary Answers is given is maybe the gospel writers actually avoided the term Savior because there was someone else in the culture, in the environment, in society who was called Savior. You know who it was? It was Caesar. They called him the Savior. Does that sound strange to you? Does it sound strange to you that some people look at the government as their Savior? Save me from my debt. Save me from my ignorance. Save me from my sickness. And you know, I'm not anti-government. As a matter of fact, as Americans, we're part of the government. You know, I thought lately as I was praying, when it says pray for those in authority, you ought to pray for the church and pray for yourselves because in America, we all vote. We're all in authority in so many ways. Do you realize that? We ought to pray how Christians vote in elections. Somebody say amen real fast, all right? 
Uh, we're all in it, but, but there are some people that look at the government as their savior. And even though I respect government, God ordained government, we're supposed to submit to government. You better be sure of this, that the government can save you, maybe deliver you from some problems, but the government will never save you or deliver you from the flesh, the world, and the devil. Your sins. And see, that's the story of the Bible. He's the savior of our sins. Some people say that maybe they avoided the title because it was just so well known, so accepted by the early Christians. How many of you have a fish on your car, a notebook, your Bible? You know what I'm talking about, the little the fish? Uh, I, I didn't get here early enough to get drawings on the screen. But you know, the fish and whatnot, you knew you know that that was the symbol used by the early Christians to identify one another in the catacombs and other places. Uh, that fish, because the Greek letters that spell out ichthus, uh, fish, are the words Jesus Christ, God the Son, Savior. Did you know that's what that fish means? Savior. He's our Savior. I'm convinced that the early church did know he was Savior. They were locked in on the fact that we, he was Savior. I, I don't know if you want to say they took it for granted or not, but they knew and it penetrated their hearts. But I'm not so sure in this generation that people really understand the need for a Savior. Need for a Savior. Does it not strike you strange how little people are concerned about their sins? I talked about the culture and government a little moment ago. You know, as I grow older, it seems Satan and the world are on a campaign to turn the grossest sins into righteousness and righteousness into sin. I mean, they call good evil and evil good. And when you want to talk to people about the gospel... To see people actually broken over their sins and their past and what separates them from God. They, they can't see their sins. They can't see the standard of righteousness. I watch my boys, my twin boys. They're 35? 35 now. At the Thanksgiving time, uh, with all my grandchildren, they went outside to play on the basketball. You know, went outside when the weather got a little nice to play a little basketball. Do y'all mind if I move around? I, I'm not good back there. Uh, I'm so glad they invented these things, right? Uh, I've heard a story about, you remember when they, these things were attached to a long cord? You, remember, you know, they, they, they were stuck in a wire somewhere. I heard about an evangelist went somewhere and he was, had one of those. You've seen these evangelists. They grab that cord and they'll jerk it around. They'll go over here and get the slack out of it and preach some more. Anybody, does anybody remember those days? This guy was going and ripping and whatnot and preaching. And there was a little boy in the front row and looked at his mama and says, Mama, the way he's carrying on right now, what will he do if he gets loose? I was watching my boys play basketball with the grandchildren, and all of a sudden, I noticed them do something they did years ago when they were young teenagers. I have one of those adjustable goals. You got one of those? You know, you take the bolt out of it, you can run it up to 10 feet, you can run it down to 8 feet, they run it down to 7 feet. 
And here they are, almost as tall as me, active and energetic, playing with my little grandchildren, out there on that basketball court. I mean, putting it, slam dunking it. Every, every time they get the ball, they move around the little children. Whoa, whoa. And then high five one another. Isn't this great? Isn't this wonderful? And I thought to myself, you're pitiful. <laughs> you're pitiful. I thought that back in, in their teens when they did that. But why, you know, why I mention that? We live in a world... So many people in the world, they brought the standard down as far as they can. And most people you talk to, to about the gospel, they feel like they're slam dunking it in life. I'm as good as the next person. I keep the golden rule. I treat people right. On and on and on. And they can't see their sin. And when you can't see your sin, you can't see the Savior. Now I'm going to tell you my second title if you'll allow me to personalize it a little bit. Not only do the angels call him Savior. Can I personalize this a little bit? I want to tell you why I call him Savior. Amen. And I want to read from Titus chapter 3. Would you turn there in your Bibles? Uh, somebody told me y'all got it at 2.30. Is that right? <laughs> um, it's dangerous to ask a preacher of over 40 years to come and fill your pulpit and he hadn't preached much in the last year. Um, verse 3, Titus 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, different kind of lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward men, appeared. You can write Christmas right there if you want to. He appeared. Now, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have, be, have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. And I'm, I'll be back at it in a moment. What he's saying is it's good for everybody around you. Of course it's good for us to have good works, but for a Christian to have good works, it's good for everybody around you. My second title is, why well, I call him Savior. I call him Savior, number one, because he saved me from my past sins. He saved me. Some of you may not uh, have the past that I have, and, you know, a lot of times, I don't often just go into great detail, especially when my wife is with me, because I don't want to hear so much of the junk that was in my life before I came to know Jesus. I was a 21-year-old man uh, back in the early 70s, and I lived every way the world lived and did everything the world did. And God saved me. Paul never forgot what he was like when he was a lost man. 
unforgiven, living in sin. Look at that verse 3 again. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another's. You know, Paul gives one of his sin lists. If you read the New Testament, sometimes in Corinthians he has one, Ephesians he has one, Galatians he has one, he'll start giving a sin list. And you, you think to yourself, man, this guy was lousy. I'm not convinced it was always just his sin list. So it could have been. But these were sins common among men. Possibly they were most common among the, his readers of the church of Crete that he was writing to uh, when he was talking to Titus. It could be his list. But I'm telling you this, there's plenty of me in that list where I lived. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear the depths of sin that I lived in. And I live for myself. You know, you may not be particularly guilty of these specific sins in your past. My wife was saved at 10. She, I mean, not only did she not sin like me, she, she wouldn't even know some of the words about the sins that I sinned when she got saved. Some of you have had the common grace and the blessing to grow up in a Christian home. Hear the gospel early. Trust Jesus early on and see him transform your lives. And I understand that. But can I tell you this? If it were not for grace, you could have grown up where I was. You could have lived like me. You could have fallen in sin and lost your life. If it were not for grace, there's no telling what kind of life you would have lived if Jesus hadn't saved you when you were young. Do you ever think about that? Those of you that were saved at a very young age, not only did he forgive you and give you the promise of heaven, but he saved you for what you could have become if you lived in your sins. We're all guilty before God. We all are. Only the most foolish and dishonest would deny sinfulness. If people tell you they don't see themselves as sinners and they're not saved, they're lying to you. Now, you you're not the best evangelist to look at him and say, you know, you're just a bald-faced liar. That's not necessarily the best way to move to John 3.16. But they are. They know there's a hole in their soul. They know there's an emptiness within. Until you admit your sin and repent, you can't call Jesus Savior. Neither can you grow in your knowledge of Him as a Savior. If you forget he saved you from your past, from your sins. Never begin to take your sins lightly. You know, we quote so often 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, I'm convinced he's talking to saved folks there. You listening to me? You know how we grow and our understanding, love, and appreciation for Jesus, our Savior, never forget what He saved you from. And never forget to confess your sins. That's point one. Under the second title. You know, I call Him Savior also because He saved me by His appearing. Verse four. But after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Appeared. You know, Christianity is not some mysterious, esoteric, 
get in touch with God experience. It's not kind of inward and intuitive sense of God. It's not that, I, you know, I have a higher knowledge, appreciation. I've done enough reading in world religions. And, and the thing about God has grabbed hold of me inside. And I can see so many of the true, truths in Christianity. And in my search for God, I've learned a great appreciation for all those that are looking for God. Folks, I want to tell you something. God does not just sit in heaven and kind of spiritually project spirituality to the world. Can you catch it? You go out on a mountain and meditate. Mm, I'm going to catch some of God's vibes, catch some of his waves, and somehow connect with. That's not how God does it. That's not how God of the Bible does it. He, he doesn't just project principles and promises and ideals out to the human heart. No, he appeared. He showed up. How many of you have heard the story of the Alamo? Remember the Alamo? Remember? David Crockett died there. You better remember. Born on a mountain. I won't sing that one. Uh, uh, remember it? For days they sat there in the early 1800s. Uh, and Colonel Travis and all of them really believed the Texans were going to send reinforcements. They, they wrote letters. They heard, they heard promises. At one time, they even had hundreds on their way, and they turned back less than a mile, uh, and they turned back, and they waited and waited and really believed. Folks, didn't matter what they believed. Didn't matter what they trusted. Didn't matter the confidence they had in all the rest of Texas. They died. Because the reinforcements never appeared. But can I tell you something? Jesus showed up. Amen. He appeared. Yes. Came as a baby. This Christmas, I want you to know something and understand something. The Savior appeared. He came into history. Not only that, he went to a real cross in history. And not only that, he rose from the grave in, a, in history. He's a, and he's alive forevermore. He appeared. I tell you why Jesus is my Savior. He showed up. It, it wasn't just my conviction of sin in the world that I lived in and my yearning for God to do something in my life. I learned that Jesus appeared. That was the kindness and love of God that it speaks about in this verse. Christianity and the soul salvation comes from a faith connection with the Savior of history. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus showed up. He intervened. He acted on our part to save us. I don't know where you all are this morning regarding spiritual things. If you just think spiritually, respect spirituality, but I'm telling you, if you want to be saved, you better embraced the one who was incarnated, crucified, and raised again in history, the real Jesus Christ. Don't talk to me about a mysterious, superficial Jesus, a sweet Jesus. You better talk to me about someone, a person you come to know that came to this world, died for you, and has become our Savior. I call him Savior because of his appearing. Three, I call him Savior because he saved me. Listen, he saved me from myself. Well, look with me in verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us 
by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We use that verse so often and rightly so to talk about salvation by grace through faith. And, and, and that Christianity is not a works religion. You can't save yourself by works. But as I look at that and I look into the context of this passage, I was reminded, I was reminded there was a time in my life I thought I could save myself by works. Anybody, been, anybody with me? I could, live a, I could live a better life and get closer to God. Immediately, Paul emphasizes the need of a Savior because of our total inability to save ourselves. We need a merciful Savior. We need a Savior who not only forgives our past, listen, not only forgives the sins of the past, but we, not, we need a Savior who not only paid the price of sin and penalty of sin to keep us out of hell, we need a Savior who has done everything for us. He, we need a Savior who has done something about me. Changed my life. Folks, when you got saved, did it change your life? Hey, I believe it's grace by faith alone. And not by works of righteousness, uh, lest any man should boast. I believe that. But I'm going to tell you, you get saved, something's going on in your life. I heard a preacher one time say, uh, somebody kept witnessing to him, said, oh, now listen, all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is believe. You know, you're not going to hear any whistles or bells or there's, there's not necessarily anything exciting going on. And he went on to say, say, Folks, I tell you, when I got saved, I heard whistles and bells. I saw differences in my life. And that's what Paul is talking about. To be a Christian is to live as a Christian is required to live. And that means a radical change in a person's life. I'm not talking about perfection. We all know that. We can discuss that for millennia. We know we're not talking about perfection. Who, who lives in a house with somebody else? Raise your hand. I want to make sure you're still awake. Who lives in a house with somebody else? You don't believe in perfection, do you? If you don't, the person that lives with you don't. We're not talking about perfection, but we are talking about a radical change to a person's life. Church, I want you to know for years, I grew up in church. My mama was a blessed Christian lady. Some of y'all might remember my sweet mama. You may remember the NHC fire in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, over in Midtown. My mom was one of the victims in that fire. Died. She couldn't get out of the bed. And, uh, but uh, that's just a side story to tell you that she just, she loved Jesus. You know, when my mom was taken by, down by a stroke, lived in that, that nursing home facility. I, each of us would go one day a week and see her and whatnot. And I remember the last day that I visited her with my, one of my sons. She, she couldn't remember what she had for lunch. She couldn't remember if she had people. Sometimes she could have had a little bit of long-term memory, but she, she couldn't see. She was blind. And I'd talk to her and I'd try to keep her going. And one time I said, Mama, let's sing. And I began to sing Amazing Grace. I want you to hear this. My mom, taken down by a stroke, 
blind, couldn't remember 15 minutes before, I started singing Amazing Grace, and she sang with me and sang the alto line. Sang the alto line perfectly. My son began to weep, the expression on his face. You know why? Even though ill health, even though a stroke, even though the destruction of this world had ripped her body apart and taken so much out of her, there's one thing you can never take out of her. That was the presence of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit living in her that changed her life. I'm convinced of that. That was God's presence in her life. There was a change. I, as a young man, growing up in church, I saw the good folks around me, and I wanted to do better. And I tried to do better. I tried to start over. Tried to turn over a new leaf. But I caught myself putting the old man in a new suit. And the new suit didn't fit. You know, I remember the night I was saved. I told the Lord, said, why is it it seems the harder I try, the worse I get? You know what God the Holy Spirit told me? Why don't you quit trying and start trusting me? I'm convinced it was God that told me that. And I said, I'm, it's over. I can't do it. I can't do it. And he changed my life. He saved me. He saved me from myself. By the work of the Holy Spirit, by the washing of regeneration. In other words, he cleaned out all the old things. And the renewal of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he changed the desires of my heart. I love what Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say. See, when I got saved, God saved my warner. He said, before I, got, I was saved, I wanted to do all sorts of sin and things. But at, since I've been saved, I still fail, but I don't want to. I don't want to. God put a new want to in my life. Have you got a new want to? I got a last point, but I don't want to quit because I don't get to preach that much. Time for water. Take a breath. I call him Savior because he saved me for himself. Verse 7. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Listen to my last point in closing. You know what's really rich about our Savior Jesus Christ? He saves, saves us for himself. How many movies have we watched where either the cowboys or the army or somebody comes in, they save a town, save a group of people, they save them and leave them. You know, Jesus doesn't do that. He saves us for himself. He saves us. In reality, when he saved you, he said, save this one. For me, when I go away, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And when I come again, you, you understand that? When he comes again, I, I, even when I leave to go back to heaven, I'm going back there for you. He saved me for himself. Jesus did not just save us and go off 
and do something else and save somebody else. His focus stays on the saved. There's an ultimate and final reality. That's in heaven with him, I've already said about it. He, ha- he has made us fit for heaven. He's justified us by, by his grace. In other, ways, uh, other words, he's made us just as if we never sinned. You know, the only way you and I will ever stand before God is because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the justification that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I was reading recently about the thief on the cross um, and how... Uh, that uh, as Jesus prayed and how Jesus prayed on the cross and how, what the things he said to Jesus. But it's talked about that Jesus, as he hung on the cross, he forgave those that were there around him. You remember that? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the author that I was reading says, you know, I've read that and I thought to myself, if I was about to go into the presence of God, I'd be asking God to forgive me for things. And he says, but then I remembered because he died. He's already covered it all. He's already covered it all. The blood has covered it all. He was saving me. He has saved me. He has fit us for heaven. He has promised us the fortunes of heaven that we might become heirs. And I can't even go into that territory, all that heaven offers us. He guarantees us the forever of heaven, eternal life. I'm telling you, the moment you're saved, you're saved forever. Somebody say amen. Amen. I tell you what, you can have your ups and downs, you can have your troubles and woes, but I tell you, once you know Jesus, his life becomes your life and that's eternal life and salvation is forever. He guarantees us forever in heaven having the hope of eternal life. But there's a present reality. Here's really my closing. He saved us for himself. It talks in this passage, make sure you do good works. Be active in good works. Show your good works. You know, there are a lot of witnesses to the reality of God in this world, aren't there? Creation is a witness. Conscience, just an awareness that there's a God. There's no greater witness than the preaching of the Word of God and the gospel. But hear me, folks. The only evidence to an unsaved world so often that God saves and changes lives is the godly life of another Christian. And that's good for everybody around you. You know what I really appreciate about this church? I can't find a clock anywhere. (laughs) That's first above your spirit, I think. Is that a clock back there? Um, I'm done. But I want to ask you. Can you call him Savior? Can you call him Savior? Because he saved you from your past? Did you come to him broken over your sins? Cry out to him to change your life? Have you embraced that Savior who came on Christmas, died on a cross, 
and rose again. Not just some idea. You don't have just your mom and daddy's idea of Christianity. You don't just go to church from time to time. But no, you've come to meet the personal Savior who came into this world for me. And has he cleansed and changed your life? in such a way that you're driven that the world see Jesus in you. Jesus, Jesus, let the world see you in me. That's saved people. That's saved people that love the Savior. And this morning, I want to ask you, can you say, speak to anyone and say, let me tell you why I call him Savior. It better be because you are truly saved.